Well, it's nice to have the opportunity to be able to preach in my first fall mass here at Carroll. So I've been traveling a lot. Just got back not too long ago from a 12-day trip with Bishop Vetter. And the one thing the bishop is teaching me is how to be a better evangelist because he has no fear. So he is, you probably already figured out he's a pretty outgoing individual. And I remember we were at a dinner at a restaurant uh, in Missoula and we're sitting there and across the way is this wedding rehearsal dinner. And I have, we have no idea who's there, what's going on. And he goes, I'm gonna go see what's going on over there. So he zips over there, and of course I hear kind of from the other room, I'm your bishop. <laughs> and I hear a, kind of a couple of a confusing sounds or whatever, and I see the bride and groom-to-be looking confused or whatever, and he comes back and he says, well, they weren't Catholic, <laughs> but they know who I am. It was really funny, but after that, it's been kind of a, a tough weekend. I hope you all have had a good weekend. Father Mark said that the sophomore retreat went very well many graces, and I hope the Lord will bless those just to start to this fall season. God is doing many great things, but life is not without its difficulties, certainly. So Friday, I was at a funeral. I preached at a funeral of a friend who uh, had just passed away at 45 years of age from brain cancer, leaving behind his wife and four children, age 22 to 16. Certainly many graces, much faith, much looking to eternal life, but it's difficult. And then yesterday, the bishop asked me to go down to be present at a funeral in Hamilton of a 13-year-old boy who had a stroke, healthy boy by all means, and passed away. And uh, we were able to meet uh, his family right after the boy passed, and a beautiful family leaving behind four siblings, and uh, it's, it's sad, but many graces come from that. And when those events happen, it certainly causes us to take a pause and realize maybe our problems aren't as significant as we think. Maybe they're not as important. So I was thinking back on uh, my first week moving into the apartment complex across the way here at Carroll. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect. It's kind of interesting coming back to a college community and living among you. And uh, walking up the stairs, I see a young lady who's a student come out of her apartment, and she looks at me dressed in my clericals, and I guess they're used to seeing priests over there in the apartments. I don't know what it was. And she goes, oh, shh, and I won't finish the word, <laughs> and runs back in the apartment. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Am I the angel of death? <laughs> Am I going to bust up your whatever you're doing over there in the middle of the afternoon? And I walk up the stairs and I'm kind of turning the corner and I can see out of the back of my eye this little head peek out of the door. He's still here. <laughs> I am and I'm still here. Three months later, she did say hi to me. So... That's something, I'll take what I can get. But I wonder, I was thinking about that. I was like, what, why are you so afraid of a priest? I, I mean, what, what's gone on? I don't know. But then I was thinking about this. 
when Jesus challenges me, am I afraid? And honestly, yeah. Because Jesus pushes me out of my comfort zone. Life can be pretty easy, and I can think I have my world and my problems, and Jesus says, you have no idea. Come, follow me. And so if the Lord is pushing you out of your comfort zone, that's a good thing, but it's not easy. And here's maybe the good news. That's what happens in the gospel tonight. The disciples are walking along, and it says they're on the way. And whenever you see that term in the gospel, it means a very particular thing. The way is the way to Jerusalem. It is the way to Calvary. It is the way to the cross, suffering, and death. Humiliation, rejection, emptiness. But then it is the way to eternal life, the resurrection. And so Jesus explains it to them. We're on the way. I'm going to be killed. And in three days I will rise from the dead. Now Jesus, they're having a great time in some ways. They're seeing miracles. They're seeing healings. They've been given power themselves to drive out demons and to do things beyond their imagination. It is a marvelous time of celebration. And then Jesus says something about he's going to be killed. I don't want to hear it. And so they close their ears and they keep walking. And what do they do? They start to argue. <laughs> they start to bigger. They start to grumble. They start to complain. They start to whine. And Jesus is quiet until they get to Capernaum. And then it says he takes them inside the house. Now that is also another key word. When it says inside the house, it means we're going to have a little meeting, guys, behind closed doors so others can't hear because I've got something to tell you. And so Jesus takes them in, closes the door, and sits down. And that's also a cue to say he's going to take authority and teach them something important. And he says, what were you arguing about? What was so important that your life was so miserable that you were fighting after I told you I was going to be killed? Why? Why were you complaining? Silence. Don't look at me. Hey. <laughs> you were arguing about who is the greatest. I just told you where we're going. And you want to argue about who's the greatest? All right, let me show you how to be the greatest. Bring this kid, bring that kid out there over here. See this little kid? He has nothing. He needs love. He needs attention. He needs food. He needs care. He needs teaching. He needs to be brought up how to be a great man or a great young woman. We don't know for sure. So if you'll do that for this child, you do it for me, and then you become the least, and that's how you'll be great. Who among you is the least? 
there's a lot of jealousy and self-ambition going around this place these days. St. James says that leaves a foul odor. It has nothing to do with God. So where are you jealous? Are you jealous of your friends? Are you jealous of your classmates? Are you jealous of your parents, of your professors, of each other? Wherever you're doing, are you jealous in clubs? For those serving, are you jealous in campus ministry? Of what so-and-so gets to do, but I don't get to do. I get overlooked. Well, they get all the attention. I wish I could be like them. I wish I could work my way up. James says that's a foul older. That will not work. And the problem is, young people, you feel empty sometimes because you're not filling yourselves with the right thing. You have this idea about religion or about feeling good about God, but it ultimately leaves you empty. And the world is emptying out of any good idea. Bishop Vedder said over and over during our trip, he said to every congregation that Montana has the third highest suicide rate in the country right now, particularly among the young. Something is not right. Something is not going right. And so we have to be honest about why that is. What is being missed? I shared this weekend about a friend who's a priest in another diocese. And he told me when I was a young priest, I wanted to get it all right. I wanted to do all the things. I didn't want to miss anything. I was afraid I was going to miss an opportunity. I had to get all the prayers right. I had to get all the books right. I had to get all the rites right. I had to do it all okay. And then I got a call one day. A mother saying, my teenage son just hung himself. Could you come and say some prayers? And so he gathered the books that he had to say the prayers and went over there. And he was the first one there. The mother was outside. She couldn't go back in. The police hadn't arrived. The coroner hadn't arrived. And he says, I went in with the idea of saying prayers after death for God's mercy and blessing on this tragedy. And I went and I looked. And there he was hanging, kind of spinning around. And his eyes were wide open. And they stopped and looked at me. And it said... I'm trying to do everything right, but I am not following Jesus. I'm following an idea. And he fell to his knees and could do nothing other than cry and beg for God's mercy. And after that, his priesthood was not the same because he realized that it wasn't an idea or following rules or guidelines or being in a club that was going to do anything good. But it was sharing the love of God that he failed to do. Those eyes accused him of failing to share the love of God, of being real. So how can we do this better? Because we need to do it better. How can we better be better Christians? The first is this. Even at your age, and it saddens me. I mean, I'm old and I have problems. But at your age... 
you have so many things you need to forgive. And the Lord is always speaking about forgiveness. Forgive. Now people say you need to forgive and forget. And I say no. (laughs) I forgive because I don't forget. Because I know what God has delivered me from. What is it to forgive? It is to say to any person that's harmed you. To any person that did something wrong against you. To any group of people. To any event that sticks in your craw. That you just can't let go of. To say Lord let me let go of this. Please heal me. So that I can move forward in following you on the way. Because if I hold on to this resentment and this bitterness, I'll never get there. Forgive. Let God do the work in your soul. He wants you to forgive. He wants to forgive you so that you can be free to move on. Every time you find yourself holding on to the past, let it go. And if it happens a hundred times, so be it. Let it go a hundred times. Seventy times seven. The Lord says. In other words, it may be a process. Number two, we need to be good, and Father Mark preaches this constantly, and it's really important, about reaching out. Don't stay in your comfort zone. The Lord doesn't want you in your comfort zone. That doesn't mean you can't have friends or intimate moments with the Lord or with a group of people, but we have to reach out. The world is hurting. That young man His eyes are saying, could someone have told me that God loves me or that they love me? And I see so many people around here that are closed in. And it's pretty funny. Uh, Oftentimes, they just go from one building all the way across campus to the next building with their phone. And I don't even know if they're reading anything on their phone. I think they're just looking at it so they don't have to look at anybody else. People are hurting. And some of you are really good at that. Reach out. Reach out beyond yourself. Now, two ways specifically you can reach out. One is reach out to the Lord. He's right here. It's great that you're at Mass. It's so important. It's beautiful. You encourage me. You inspire me to be a better priest because you're here. But many times you could just stop in and reach out. He wants to love you. But he also wants to challenge you. Don't be afraid. Number two, who is it you need to reach out to? Maybe it is a stranger. Maybe it's the poor. Maybe it's in volunteer to feed the hungry. Many of you go to God's love, a beautiful way to reach out. But also, I hear many of you talking about, I need to reach out to my parents. Maybe it's time for you to do that. I need to reach out to this friend. I've been paying attention to these people all the time. I need to reach out. I've been hanging out too much with that guy or that girl. Maybe I need to just say, okay, let me look at this person or that person. And if you get overlooked, don't get bitter. You go and reach out. Find someone else. Don't pout. Finally is this. Jesus is risen from the dead. If I were to ask each of you with a microphone, do you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and hold it up? Would you say yes? Would you say, I guess. 
because that's how we're living. I guess he rose from the dead. If he really rose from the dead, if that is the end of the way, if that is the way to eternal life, then you need to live like it from the morning until the evening. And that's going to change us. The things we grumble and complain about, the things we run from, if Jesus is risen from the dead, what do they really matter? Beautiful story about Father Walter Chizik, um, a Jesuit priest who volunteered to go and serve in the Soviet bloc at the height of the Cold War. And he was arrested as a priest, held in solitary confinement for many years, and finally sent to forced labor camp. And you know what the greatest joy that he had in that forced labor camp? Was discovering that one of the men there was hiding raisins and could take those raisins and ferment them to make just a little thimble of wine. And then someone who stole a little bit of wheat and allowed it to become bread in the sun of Siberia and then sneaking out in the middle of the night because there were no fences in Siberia to a rock that became an altar and to celebrate mass with those men. That brought joy. Now we're in this beautiful chapel. We have these great vestments. We have this wonderful community. We have this great music. Are you going to find that joy in the mass? It transformed his life because of this. The men knew that Jesus was present and suffered with them and loved them and that there was hope. Despite death, despite tragic death, there is hope. We've got to live like it. You have to live like Jesus is risen from the dead. And if you don't, what are we doing? Jesus is not going to let us stay comfortable. I know that. And so when you see him coming, is it going to be, oh, shh, run in the door? Or is it going to be, all right, Lord, I was grumbling, complaining about thinking I was so great. Here we go on the way. You teach me how to walk this way of sacrifice, of giving of myself for others and for you. Because the good news is this. If Jesus is risen from the dead, there is a heaven. And it's all real. The Lord is a real person. The Blessed Mother is a real person. She loves you. She loves everyone. Tell each other about the love of the Blessed Mother. The saints are real. They live lives. They've sacrificed. They're not fictitious characters. They want to help you. They want to be your friends. Your guardian angel is there. We don't believe in make-believe or an idea. This is reality. And for the early church, it was more real than all of you sitting here. The love of Jesus and the resurrected power of the Lord. Because they gave their lives singing the praise of God. It's beautiful. You know what? God is calling each of you. You all have a vocation. Now, I don't know. Some of you probably, hopefully, Lord, will be a priest. Some of you will be sisters. But I hope all of you will embrace your vocation to share the love of God 
in a new way. You are the answer to the problems. The problems of tragedy, depression, and loneliness, and the failed world's ideas. You are the answer. Be the answer. God loves you so much, and he's calling you. Embrace your vocation today, and live. Live this day. Live tomorrow. Live this week. Like Jesus Christ, who suffered and died, is risen from the dead.